Welcome to the Weird History Podcast. I'm Joe Streckert. This podcast is independent and ad-free because of your listener support. Become a listener supporter by going to weirdhistorypodcast.com. When you go out to eat, what do you want from a server? Obviously, the answer is food. You want them to bring you food, maybe a drink or two. Maybe you want some basic courtesy and friendliness, information about the food and drink, information about the restaurant. Uh, Not too long of a wait if your water glass is empty or close to empty, that kind of thing. And really, that's it. If you're the average type of person who is living in the 21st century, that, that pretty much suffices from servers. However, restaurants in the early 1900s in Paris wanted to offer something else. They didn't just want to offer food or drink or some atmosphere. They also wanted to offer a little bit of role play. You don't just come to a restaurant or a bar or a cafe to get some food, have a drink, and then not have to deal with the dishes. No. You come there to feel something. You come there to feel like a lord, like a master, like somebody with servants. Temporary servants in the form of the restaurant or cafe staff. Servants that have to look and act the part. Servants that are not allowed to grow mustaches. Now, I live in Portland, Oregon, as I have mentioned before. And when I think of the people who serve me pizza or Thai food or elaborate cheeseburgers... I think of people who are snazzily dressed and usually have lots of tattoos and often have expansive and extensive facial hair. Or at least maybe they did. It's COVID now. I don't really go out to eat anymore. But back in the before time, when I think of going to a cool Portland restaurant, I think of all kinds of mustache and beard situations and lots of personal style going on with the servers. Nowadays, when I do go out, it's to grab takeout and me and the server, we just kind of nod at each other and that's it. We're both wearing masks. Anyway, in Paris of 1907, facial hair was forbidden for the servers in many restaurants. Waiters often had to be clean-shaven. Now, this probably comes as a surprise to you, because you probably have a stereotypical idea of what a French man looks like. Close your eyes. Imagine a French guy. He's got a mustache. Maybe a really big mustache. Maybe a little tiny mustache that's really well-groomed, but a mustache is there, and when a lot of people think of French waiters, they think of a Natalie-attired gentleman wearing one of those stereotypical French mustaches. Now, I'm not going to tell you that every single Frenchman has a mustache. They don't. I'm not going to tell you that, like, all French waiters have mustaches. They certainly don't. But mustaches have a certain kind of cultural resonance in France and the areas around France, and French waiters in 1907 had to fight for the right to wear them. So, to understand this, we have to go all the way back to before France was even France. We've got to go all the way back to ancient Rome times, when what we now call France was known by the Romans as Gaul, and the Romans had an idea of what the Gauls looked like. When the Romans imagined them, they usually thought of a few things. They imagined the Gauls to be, well, barbarians that lived beyond the Alps, oftentimes with bushy hair, and usually with big mustaches. We have a few different sources that inform our idea 
of the Roman idea of Gauls. Uh, one of the big ones is this sculpture called the Dying Gaul. It dates back to the early 3rd century BCE, and it shows a severely wounded naked guy at death's door. Now, for a long time, uh, scholars thought that this was maybe a statue of a gladiator who had just gotten stabbed in the ring and was dying to, you know, entertain the crowd. But that's not the consensus nowadays. Uh, now, the guy is thought to depict a Gaul for a few reasons. Uh, he's wearing a torque around his neck, which is a Celtic thing. And also, he has a big, bushy mustache and longer hair, which we know the Romans associated with Gauls rather than, well, Romans. Yeah, the dying Gaul, really kind of like bushy 70s looking hair. Uh, this ancient dude would not look out of place at a Doobie Brothers concert, either in the crowd or on stage. But that's a statue. We also have written sources that show us that the Romans, when they thought of Gaul, they thought of mustaches. Here's a quote from Diodorus Siculus, who lived in the first century BCE, and he wrote of the Gauls, quote, some of them shaved the beard, but others let it grow a little, and the nobles shaved their cheeks, but they let the mustache grow until it covers the mouth. Consequently, when they are eating, their mustaches become entangled in the food, and when they are drinking, the beverage passes, as it were, through a kind of strainer. Unquote. Yeah, an ancient flavor saver. Anyway, uh, we don't have a lot of sources about the Gauls from the Gauls. Uh, they didn't have writing. And also, a lot of the art that they have was more abstract, uh, as opposed to being literal depictions of people. So we're dealing with one of those situations where the people in question didn't leave a lot of stuff for us to go on. We have to rely on other people who were writing things down. So the Gauls might have been all about those mustaches, or this could have been a Roman stereotype. The Romans just could have thought that the Gauls were all about those mustaches. But the Roman sources are the sources we have. So those have informed how other people, like modern French people, think of the Gauls, think of French history, and how certain ideas form around certain signifiers, like mustaches. This has meant that in France and the areas surrounding it, Mustaches are kind of considered a marker of masculinity and martial prowess. Wearing a mustache is kind of like saying, I am a badass, ancient, spear-wielding dude who's totally going to scream naked on the battlefield and I'm going to murder me some Romans. This is probably an absurd cultural imaginary, but it exists. Um, and militaries in France and surrounding areas have drawn upon this, used this, and played with it. Mustaches, as symbols of masculinity, have gone in and out of fashion in different European militaries. In the back half of the 1800s, just before 1907, when we're talking about, uh, mustaches had been in fashion in French and other continental militaries. So at that point, they were resonant as that kind of symbol of martial prowess and also a symbol of masculinity in general. Uh, it was not universal in all these militaries, by the way. Some military organizations, uh, they had the higher-ranked officers growing mustaches, and sometimes lower-ranked soldiers would have to 
be clean shaven. So occasionally there was a bit of a uh, rank or class divide, even within a military, mustache wise. Um, also, <laughs> also sometimes if a uh, soldier could not grow a mustache, they would just wear a fake one. So um, imagine, if you will, somebody marching off to the Franco-Prussian War. They go face down a line of guns and they're wearing a fake mustache. It's probably a thing that happened to somebody. Weird to think about. Anyway, the point is, is that mustaches mean that you are a man. You are a badass. You are a dude, my dude. And certain people weren't allowed to have them. People like cooks, gardeners, the guy who lives in your house and cleans all your stuff, other servants. They were not allowed to express themselves with this masculine symbol. They had to forego it in order to show their place on the social hierarchy. So a rich guy could have a big old mustache, and his servants were not allowed to have mustaches, big, small, or otherwise. Now, not everybody could afford servants, but a lot of people, middle class and upper class people, maybe kind of wanted servants, maybe wanted to experience that servant-having feeling for just an evening, so they could sample it by going out to eat and feel a little bit of that lordliness that came with having an unmustachioed guy attend to your needs. So servers in a lot of early 20th century French restaurants were not just supposed to take your order. They were supposed to make you feel special. They were supposed to make you feel like a lord. And many Parisian restaurants, bars, and cafes did not allow them to wear mustaches, regardless of their status as veterans. So a lot of waiters actually had been soldiers. They had been in wars and had quote-unquote earned their mustache by serving in the military. So it is conceivable that you had a guy who had seen action in the Franco-Prussian War, later on got a job as a waiter, and had to be clean-shaven, serving a guy who had never even put on a military uniform, but because of his class and social status, was allowed to wear a mustache in 1907, which is a weird thing to think about. So there is that. French waiters had to present themselves in a certain way, and they had to mark themselves as part of the social hierarchy with their lack of facial hair. Also, the way they got paid was not great. Uh, nowadays, waiters generally are employees. They work for wherever they work for. But in 1907, waiters generally were contractors. They had to pay a restaurant a fee in order to work there for a certain amount of time. So they basically had to rent their spot. And they were entirely reliant upon tips. So they weren't paid by the restaurant, they were paid by those customers who were pretending to be lords and masters and all of that. Then, even after they got tipped, they had to usually turn those tips over to management, and then management would take a cut, and then redistribute the tips to the waitstaff. This is a bonkers way to run a business, uh, and the only modern business I can think of that still runs this way is stripping. Uh, to this day, strippers 
usually have to rent their place at a club. They rely on tips and they have to like share those tips out among lots of other people who work there, like the DJ, the bouncer, all of that. So waiters in 1907 and strippers in the 21st century kind of work on the same sort of model of doing things. Anyway, this did not make for happy waiters. And in 1907, French waiters went on strike. It wasn't an especially large strike. We're talking about 500 people walking off the job here, but it was enough. It was enough for the industry to feel it. And when I say 500 people walked off the job, I'm talking about them doing it in tandem. Uh, this was not like the type of strike where, you know, everyone in an industry or at a company walks off at the same time. We're talking about different groups of waiters at different restaurants and cafes walking off the job at different times throughout the month of April in 1907, leaving select cafes and restaurants just without staff for the time being. During all this, plenty of people did attempt to scab and start working while the regular waiters were not working. And the waiters that were striking dealt with the scabs by apprehending them and persuading them not to work with their fists. So that's fun. Uh, I wish I could say to you that this was a big triumph for these guys who wanted to say my facial hair, my choice. Uh, I wish I could tell you that when they struck, they got great pay, regular hours, set schedules, wonderful working conditions, all of that. I can't do that. There was actually a bill in the French parliament introduced by a socialist member who said, yeah, we should just do away with this absurd kind of fee that they have to pay and them relying on tips. We should just give them normal wages. But that bill did not succeed. What the waiters did win, though, was the right to wear mustaches. They no longer had to advertise themselves as pseudo servants uh, on the job and off the job. Even so, lots of people clutched all kinds of pearls about this small, small victory. Here's New York Times in 1907, just after the strike was over. Quote, But if the waiters have won nothing else, they have won their battle for the mustache. Henceforth, such dignity as resides in the hairy upper lip will be the proud possession of the Parisian waiter. Time was that shaving the upper lip suffice as a badge of servitude. Now that is done away with. There must be some other badge to mark the waiter from afar, unquote. And that was a common idea. If they're not shaving their mustaches, how can we tell that they're lower class? Well, we have to find some other signifier, right? It did not occur in 1907 that you can just look how you look and not have to broadcast what you do or how much money you make all of the time. To this day, French waiters have the right to have a mustache. In fact, French everybody's has the right to wear a mustache and you do not leave yourself at the door when you clock into your job when you're doing your job you're still you you still have whatever facial hair or lack of you have you still have your haircut you still have all your tattoos you still have your general mode of being i have had jobs that have tried to erase the self I used to have a job where I was required to be clean-shaven, and as a hairstute man, that was fairly weird. But more and more, I think we're acknowledging that people at work are people. There's no master-servant relationship. There's no pretending to be a butler or a gardener or the guy who lives in your house and cleans all your stuff. 
It's just one person doing something for somebody else while they're at their job. You can be professional and efficient, but making the customer feel like a lord or a king or a servant haver is something that I think has justly faded away. Anyway, United States, happy Labor Day. Tip your servers. It's been a hard year and a half for them. The Weird History Podcast is written, produced, and edited by me, Joe Streckert. Our website, logo, and other visual assets are by Sarah Giffro of Upswept Creative. We are based out of beautiful Portland, Oregon. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, and go to weirdhistorypodcast.com to contact us with any questions you might have. Thank you all for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye. Tell your auntie and your-